Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Today we have two fantastic guests, director Reed Schusterman talking about his project Bloodborne. We'll then talk with actor, writer, director Shaheen Suleiman about Nebulous Dark and what it was like to direct Patrick Stewart in Sinbad. All that and more, stand by. For those of you driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight, hearing us on the Big 550 KTRS, thank you for tuning in. This is my first non-live show since I've been back on KTRS. Uh, right now, I am currently traveling home from Uncasville, Connecticut. Uh, we just got done doing Terrific Con, and we've got some great interviews that we're bringing you back, as well as uh, the show review itself, the review of the event, which we'll cover in greater detail later on. So while I'm gone, kick back and enjoy these interviews. Right now we're talking to director Reed Schusterman about a brand new film out as of July 16th, Bloodborne. If you're a fan of horror, this might be a movie for you. Reed, how's it going? Uh, it's going really well today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk. Yeah, me too. I'm a, I'm a huge horror movie fan and I feel like uh, there's the, the, the genre is one of those that's it's so many ways you can go about there's supernatural there's slasher there's all sorts of different ways you can take horror the psychological aspect of it what excites you most about horror films it's funny because i wouldn't really call myself a horror fan the way some people you know will devour anything that's horror what really draws me into any movie whether it's horror or action or anything is just characters you can really relate to and the kind of horror that i really enjoy is not the stuff where like oh that looks painful or oh there there's a monster jumping out of the shadows it's the stuff where you really torture the characters and as an audience member you really feel it on a personal level and so that's what i wanted to do with bloodborne was find something that really scared me on a on a emotional level not just you know i think i might die level uh, and really make a movie about that and get into that. And that's really what excites me about it is finding things that scare me and how do I make other people fear, feel that fear also. And this does a great job of that. It, it's It's been compared to like uh, it kind of like the omen and aspects mm -hmm. like Rosemary's Baby where there's that uh, it is a it kind of gets a visceral reaction from people. Well, uh, it's a movie about, you know, a couple trying to get pregnant and they can't get pregnant. So they hire this witch doctor and things go wrong as they always do in these movies. But, <laughs> uh, it, it, it came about because I was friends with, uh, this producer, Cindy Rice, who ended up making Bloodborne, but we were talking about what I could make. And, uh, we'd been trying, we'd been kicking around ideas for a couple of years and we were talking about, well, what scares you right now? And my wife and I were talking about having a baby and that scared the shit out of me. So <laughs> I wrote, I, I wrote the movie and got a green light in around August 14th of 2019 and, and got news from my wife about a week later that we were successful in going to have a baby. Wow. Uh, so it, it was a really fun, fun, scary, terrifying way to sort of merge my professional life and my personal life and being where I was in that process really let me dig into the emotions of it, I think. Yeah, that's the drawing on that kind of experience. I can only imagine that would create a nice uh, synergy, a way to really <laughs> kind of connect with the, the material that you're putting out. Exactly. Exactly. 
And how hands-on of a director are you? Some people want to be involved with the casting. Some They go over before every aspect of it. They're doing some of the DP work. Do you take on a very hands-on role, or is it just kind of like a aces in their places? Everyone who you've got knows what they're doing. You're just there to do the, the overall directing job. Kind of what uh, school do you subscribe to as far as that goes? If I had to pick one, I would say I'm a little more hands-off. I mean, making a movie is so hard, and there's so much to know in every single department that if you can hire somebody who knows what they're doing, if you have the best crew in the world, you're still going to have 500 a thousand questions to answer every single day. Sure. So I think there, I think there's a lot of benefit to just hiring people who know what they're doing and really trusting them to do their job. And certainly with every part of the film from casting and the choices the actors made or, uh, the cinematographer and the choices uh, my DP Laura made uh, or editing and choices my editor made, you know, they, I would have one idea and then I would be like, well, let's see what you, what, what would you do first? And more than half the time, their idea was better than mine. I, I think it's important to hire people who are good and just trust them. Cause it's so hard to make a movie that said, I do know my producer uh, would say I'm a bit of a control freak and that I would get very, intently focused on very small details, which probably only had a major impact on the final film about 50% of the time. But you don't really know until you're in the editing room or until you're seeing the final film, which of those little decisions might completely change the direction of the movie. So I I don't know that I'm one or the other uh, control freak or hands-off, but I I think if I had to say one, I try and be a little more hands-off. It's just easier. It's so hard to make a movie to begin with. And making a piece like Bloodborne where there's, uh, like I said, there's that natural element. Like I think you've you've touched on it here a little bit in our conversation, but I know you've mentioned it before where – pregnancy in and of itself, you know, conceiving a life, that's a lot of unknowns, especially first time parents. And when things go wrong, exactly. like when people turn to IVF and things like that, I don't know if many people turn to magic, uh, but that's kind of the, <laughs> the premise here, which if you're, if you're very desperate, and again, that's something I think people can relate to that desperation. Cause there's a lot of people out there who, you know, want to have kids. Exactly. Should I have kids? Can we have kids? Are we going to have kids? So that unknown coupled with the supernatural element just kind of makes for, I, in my mind, just the perfect marriage of situations that that bloodborne gives us exactly i mean the whole process of having a kid i mean i we we have a beautiful daughter she's a year old now which is crazy considering how long ago how long this whole process has been but it's just it's terrifying it's terrifying now when you know she's doing great she's a toddler she's learning just watching her walk across the floor and she might fall and hurt herself is terrifying uh, when you have a little baby and they're newborn, you, you know, well, are they breathing? Can you really tell before they're born? If there's, if, you know, my, when my wife was pregnant, if she felt a little weird one day, like, is that normal weird? Or is that something I need to worry about weird? So there's just all these, and that's just like on a base level, that's not talking about like, who am I going to be as a father? Am I going to be a good father? Am I going to survive it? And so there's just all this kind of fear and unknown and uncertainty that you can tap into without getting into the magic stuff. And then for me, that's where it's sort of that's where it's fun is the magic stuff, because that's where you can really push the story and push the emotions beyond just like, oh, pregnancy is scary, which it is. And there are plenty of terrifying movies just about having a kid. Right. Uh, but they don't get under your skin the way, you know, Rosemary's Baby does, for yeah. example. Yeah, exactly. And the cast, very solid cast. You've got Antoine Perry, Rosie Moss, Melanie Haynes. Uh, again, going back to the directing part, was the cast, did you have much of a say in the casting? Did you get to kind of have input on it? Were these people who you were initially kind of envisioned when you were crafting these characters? Talk a little bit about the casting process and the people you have in these roles. The I, w- I was able to have pretty much final say in the casting. I mean, certainly the, my producers, Sydney Rice and Dana Guerin were involved in the conversations. I, I didn't want to work with somebody in that role that wouldn't be a good creative partner. Uh, but in the end, it was sort of, it was my decision that, you know, as long as everybody was okay with it, I got to make the call and we just had open auditions and those three actors came in and read for the part and, I don't know that I can say like, oh, I knew the instant they walked in the room, 
but they all, when they gave the the three of them gave their auditions, you just, there was something different about them. There's you give sides out, you send sides out that the actors come in and read at the audition, and eighty percent of them or more are going to do basically the same thing. You know, you write a scene. There's choices you can make, and most of them are going to make the same choices. And so for me the interesting thing is finding the people who don't make those choices. And sometimes they make very weird choices. We had one person come in for one of the other roles and they came in doing the most cartoonish Russian accent. I think I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) And it was not written that way at all. I mean, I'm never going to forget that audition, but we didn't (laughs) cast that actor. Um, But then Rosie and Antoine, uh, in particular, they, they came in and they just found nuances and found texture to the roles that I hadn't seen before. And then we sort of narrowed down the two leads from an initial audition, then had some callbacks where we tried different pairings of various people. And once we put Antoine and Rosie together, they just lit up the room and they, they, they became very good friends over the course of pre-production and production. They hung out all the time. They really put the effort in to get to know each other, to find the reality in that, um, in that relationship. Uh, Melanie, Melanie came in and she was, she was my favorite off the bat. Hmm. She just, she just came in and just, she was a force of nature in the role, but didn't, play the role as like, oh, I'm the big, evil, scary, bad guy in the movie. She was very human and very, I mean, it's a grandmotherly character. So, you know, she's coming at this whole thing where she's doing this magic from the place of helping. It's not like Rosemary's Baby where they're just, you know, let's raise, let's have a devil baby. Right. Which is a... Yeah, which I love, but we wanted to do something a little different, so we weren't making Roseberry's Baby 2.0. And uh, Melanie just came in, and she had this really sweet grandmotherly vibe. She's a grandmother in real life, but she really just brought that with her. But then underneath, she just had this very menacing energy. And when she had to turn scary, she just she scared me. And huh. she did it in a way that was not the way everybody else was doing it. She got quiet. She got, she got scary the way a mother might be scary and that she was more disappointed in you than anything else, Hmm. but in a scary way. And that really attracted me to her performance. And then when we started filming and she just, she was fantastic and just brought all kinds of stuff to the role that I hadn't seen when I wrote the script. And as the director, this is, you know, this is your project. The director is the captain of the ship. What is mm-hmm. something, because obviously people always think about the glamorous, oh, I'm directing a picture, and oh, you got to direct this movie in this great <laughs> cast. What is something that people might not know, the layman's like me, what is the, probably in your opinion, some of the more tedious aspects of directing a film that don't get the glamour, and, uh, that, oh, it's, it's all this time in the editing bay. What is something like that for you? We'll pause right there, take our first commercial break, come back and chat more with director Reed Schusterman. Please stand by. Hello, this is Kari Payton, King Ezekiel from The Walking Dead, and I encourage everyone to listen to Geek to Me. It's a lovely program. Would I ever steer you wrong? Welcome back to Geek to Me Radio. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about our official movie sponsor, that's Marcus Theaters. MarcusTheaters.com is the website with a lot of locations around you between the Marcus Theaters and the Movie Tavern. If you just go to the website, you can find the one nearest you. You can also book your tickets, check out movie reviews and more right there from the website. They usually have specials going too, uh, maybe some discounts on concessions or something like that. They're $5 Tuesdays. What a way to see a movie. Get out on Tuesdays, see a movie at your preferred location. It's just $5. And if you become a Magical Movies Rewards customer as well, which is free to sign up for, you also get a free popcorn on Tuesdays. Lots of other benefits as well. You can get rewarded for going to see movies and doing the things you love to do at the movie theater. We should also mention the private cinema. You can rent those if you'd like, uh, starting at $99 in some locations. You got 20 of your friends, you want to celebrate something, maybe uh, just a, a night out, or if it's an anniversary or a party celebration, whatever you want to do, 
Marcus Theatres Private Cinema is the way to do it. You can also download the Marcus Theatres app and get your concessions ordered online, buy your tickets there on the website as well, and all through the app so it's quick and convenient and you find the location closest to you while you're out and about. Wherever you go to see a movie, whatever movie you decide to see, do it at the best location, marcustheaters.com. That's marcustheaters.com. As we always say, it's the best movie-going experience in the galaxy. Before we took that last break, we were chatting with director Reed Schusterman, and I asked him about uh, what are some of the kind of overlooked or less glamorous aspects of film directing. How long it takes to do anything. I'm somebody <laughs> who wants when I'm working, I like to go. I'm, I'm not. I'm. I consider myself a lazy person on in by nature, but I work very hard to fight that. Right. So when I'm when I'm working, I'm like, okay, I'm in work mode. I want to do stuff. And even on a low budget movie, we only shot 15 days, uh, 16 days on this movie, which is not a lot at all for a feature. Um, so compared to most movies, you know, we're moving pretty quickly. But even then. Just it by the you're like okay we got this shot now we need to move all the lights and on this movie which was fast and small it would take thirty minutes to get to the next setup mm. and during that thirty minutes there's you know five minutes of that talking to actors and talking to the costumer or talking to the the production designer and then there's twenty five minutes of like well I need to stay on my toes because I never know when somebody's going to come to me with an important question but there's nothing to do. And so it's about, and so I, you would, you get tempted, like maybe I should start prepping the next scene, which is a good use of time, but you have to stay focused on the scene at hand. So just balancing that, how do I stay focused and stay in the moment, but also stay on top of stuff and also, you know, take care of myself and make sure I get a snack when I need to, uh, on set, somebody's job was to bring me a snack every 30 minutes. Uh, cause I, cause I, I would, I just wouldn't eat. And so we asked one of the PAs to just set an alarm on their phone and every 30, 45 minutes he would come in and bring me an apple and some tea or some water or whatever. It just, I, I didn't even ask for anything. He would just decide what time, what snack it was uh, time for. And that, and so that, that, that I think was the hardest thing for me uh, was that whole balancing act. And then each director has a special way they view a project. When when you're looking at Bloodborne, are, it, there are always people who look back on a project they've done once it's shot and it's ready and it's up and it's in the theaters or it's up on the platform they're streaming it on, and they look back and be like, "Ah, oh, I wish we could have done this." Do you have? Are there any regrets about Bloodborne? You wish you had more time to shoot. You wish you could have done oh, added well. an extra extra scene, or is it as it stands? Is it? Are is it in your mind perfect? It's not perfect. I don't think anybody who's ever created anything in the history of the world has thought it was perfect. I, I'm sure there's something in The Godfather that Scorsese is really annoyed about. <laughs> Actually, he, he just went back a year or two ago and re-edited Godfather 3, I think. I don't know. There was some re-release of the Godfather stuff that Scorsese was involved in. And that's you know considered one of the best movies of yeah. all time. Um, that said, I, it's so easy to get lost in, you know, well, I would have done this differently and that's not perfect. So I I've made a point over my career to, when I look back at what I've done is just graded on a, on a metric of does it suck or does it not suck? <laughs> um, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be great. It just has to not suck. And I don't think Bloodborne sucks at all. I'm really proud of it. I think it's a really fun movie. I really enjoy watching it people who watch it tell me they like it my I, some of my friends who are the kind of friends that if i made a bad movie they would tell me it was a bad movie they'd still love me but they would tell me and they like it and that, that the our investors like the movie my our producers like the movie that's what's important to me that the people involved with it are proud of it and that i can be proud showing it to people and not embarrassed by it and i'm not embarrassed by it at all i, I really i'm excited for this to get out in the world everyone needs those kind of friends who will tell you if something is bad that's that's <laughs> that's the benchmark you have to have those people around you <laughs> well you have to because if you don't you'll end up being like oh i'm gonna make this horror movie that i wrote last weekend and it's gonna be fantastic and then it's the room right. um <laughs> and that's I don't think anybody wants to do that. You need people who are going to be like, you know, you can do better than that. Uh, this Bloodborne was in 
not active development, but I sort of knew that I was going to be able to make a horror movie for a couple of years before we went into production on Bloodborne. Uh, I had made friends with these producers. We had talked about me directing a movie. Uh, we The financing was available if we had the right script. Uh, but finding the right script and the right story was a long process. And it was frustrating at times because, you know, it's the dream is right there. Like, all I have to do is get the right story and I get to direct a movie. Uh, and there were a couple of times when I probably could have pushed on earlier ideas or earlier drafts and been like, no, let's do this one. And my friends and my producers, who are also my friends, uh, told me, like, if you do that, you're going to regret it. Like, mm. this is not good enough. And I'm really happy about that. As frustrating as the wait was, I think the movie turned out a lot better for it. And again, Bloodborne, as of July 16th, is available on digital. If you're a horror fan, this is one you should definitely check out. What other stuff can you say about anything else you're working on currently? Or uh, you're not able to talk about projects? I, I wish I had active projects that were far enough along that I could talk about them. But uh, between the pandemic and having a baby and having this movie coming out, it's been a little slower than I've wanted for the last year and a half. Sure. Uh but I have a I have a bunch of scripts I'm working on. I have some irons in the fire. I'm always I'm looking to make another low budget horror movie because I think they're just so much fun to make. It's really and it's easier to get that made than you know the big epic whatever action explosion yeah. CGI fest that you know I would love to make my Lord of the Rings. But in the meantime, <laughs> I'm gonna have fun in doing some low budget horror stuff. And I think the next big step is really figuring out what scares me now. You know, if I was scared two years ago about having a kid, what's really scaring me now. And I think that's sort of the next step where I'm at. Very cool. Uh, again, Fred Schusterman, the movie is Bloodborne on digital platforms as of July 16th. Where can people keep up with you? Are social media active or are you a uh, website or anything like that? Uh, Bloodborne is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm not really much of a social media person myself, but we have a lot of cool clips and trailers and we share a lot of fun horror memes. Uh, so if you like that kind of stuff, even if you don't want to watch the movie, it's fun to just see the stuff we find and put up there. Very cool. And we'll have links to all that in the show notes for those of you who are listening right now. Fred Schusterman, this has been great speaking with you. Thanks so much for your time. And hopefully we'll have you back on after the next one. Thanks so much. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. My thanks once again to Reed Schusterman. We're going to take our next commercial break, come back and chat with writer-actor-director Shaheen Soliman. Please stand by. Hi, this is Brent Spiner. You're listening to geek to me Radio. Welcome back to geek to me Radio. If you're hearing this after the fact, if you're listening to your online version of this, be it on uh, SoundCloud, maybe you're listening on the KTRS website, uh, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from, if you're hearing us after this has already aired, please make sure you subscribe to geek to me Radio on whatever platform you're currently listening, and leave us a five-star review. That really helps us out in search engine optimization and just kind of boosts the show overall, so we would appreciate it greatly if you would do those things for us. With that said, let's get to our next guest. Right now we're talking with Shaheen Salaman about his new film, Nebulous Dark. Very intriguing, uh, inspired by Twilight Zone and Outer Limits and shows like that, a sci-fi flair. Shaheen, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank James. you for the time. Thank you for the time. Um, of course. So I, I love the whole story of, you know, you, you come here to America and you just kind of got immersed and started absorbing the, the, the TV and your, your, your family encouraged you to be creative and, and really nurtured that side of you. And here you are writing, acting, directing, producing. It's a great story all around, but uh, talk a little bit about coming over here and kind of immersing yourself in that culture of, of film and, and, and cinema. Uh, thank you so much for having me. First of all, I really appreciate it. And, uh, and giving the opportunity for me to, uh, uh voice my movie stuff. Uh, uh, thank you so much for that. Um, well, basically I was, uh, I, I migrated here with my mom, uh, uh, when I was five or six years old. Uh, and, uh, 
kind of uh, got immersed into the Western culture, living in South Florida with a uh, 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 with a wonderful American family who adopted me after my mom had to go back to uh, to take care of uh, you know uh, uh, life and everything and migrate back. So because of the uh, revolution that there was uh, in that country at that time in the late 70s, uh, she got stuck and I ended up getting kind of uh, adopted and uh, became part of part of the family. So uh, uh, movies and sci-fi and and all the wonderful shows at that time inspired me a lot. I spent a lot of time kind of uh, watching uh, shows, just different different shows, uh, classic shows and TV stuff like, you know, that you had uh, stuff like the Hulk, the Incredible, the original yeah. Incredible Hulk. Uh, you had Wonder Woman. You had you had uh, just all sorts of great shows that would come on once a week. It was a treat, you know how it was. Uh, Christmas shows and and uh, you know different kind of like uh, seasonal type type shows. Halloween movies that would come on during Halloween. Uh, the the classic Headless Horseman. Uh, all <laughs> all those all those movies. And uh, yeah, I, I just uh, great great fond memories from that. And then it slowly started to I'm, I'm naturally creative i've always been creative uh and at, at some point my uh american father george took me to uh to see star wars uh, we had to we had to we got kicked out because uh my mom and sister had a, a tupperware party so so he just <laughs> we went to the movies and uh, uh i didn't know what was going on uh, i was still kind of fresh and uh i just saw the theater and i was like oh this is cool there's a there's a theater inside the mall you know that was new to me as a kid and so we went we sat down and as soon as the uh, rebel uh ship being chased by the star destroyer uh star wars went right over the screen i was just blown away and after that i my creativity just kept growing from there and uh it's been a kind of an organic journey for me um slowly gravitating uh more and more towards this natural kind of uh, filmmaking and acting and directing and writing and just being in the creative, you know, films, something a lot of people don't realize is it's probably one of the only art forms that really kind of uh, dabbles in every single art. You, you have, you know, painting and, and music and you have uh, st- photography and cinematography and, and uh, just so much stuff. So uh, because of my natural instinct and, and love for art and creativity, uh, I just gravitated towards it. Uh, and yes, it, it's been a wonderful experience and uh, very grateful uh, for the opportunity. So obviously, you know, going to school and getting into college and doing things like that and just never lost sight of that. That's that that was your your you were honed in on that goal of I'm going to be a filmmaker. So is that kind of what led you down the path is, is it, uh, was, was there some swaying like, well, maybe I should try this particular thing. Maybe I should try to be a business accountant or was it always just locked in on film and everything took you in that direction? Well, you know, uh, it's funny in the movie Godfather part three, when, when, uh, Michael Corleone says, I try to get out, but they pull me back in, (laughs) you know, it was, uh, I, I actually talked myself out of it. Uh, I, I had a lot of uh, people telling me, hey, you really like your personality and your creativity. You really, really should go and try to try to get into the movie business uh, as, a, as a teenager uh, when we finally migrated from Florida to, to California. And at that point, um, you know, your peers and you're, you're, you're going to school and you're going on trips and you're, you're kind of not zeroed in on what you want to do. And I steered myself away from it. Hmm. I'm like, no, no, there, uh, it's, it's not going to work. It's going to be, it's, it's not going to happen. And I, and, and a lot of people do that. You talk yourself out of it. And I went towards business, which actually wasn't a bad thing. Um, I got into the tech uh, world, computers and, and stuff like that. That was when computers were, were starting to just be the, all the rage. And I'm very techie myself, so I, I, I didn't mind it. I uh, got into that and uh, learned a lot. It was great experience, actually. So it's that's actually because you know uh, we, I ended up having an actual retail uh, store for a while, believe it or not, and huh. at an early age, like like uh, I think it was nineteen, and um, I started it, uh, and it was uh, the experience itself was amazing. Just just to have that few couple of years of of going through that, and then at, at eventually, what happened was. I got invited. One of my friends had an audition uh, for a local cable TV show, and uh, uh, when I was there, they they said, uh, "Hey, you know, this is a local cable. You, you got kind of a good look. Uh, once you get in front of the camera, real quick, and read these lines and see what we can do." They were trying to, you know, fill in spots, 
And I did, and they, they loved it, and they asked me, hey, you want to come on? We're not going to – we don't have money to pay you, but it'll be fun. Like once or twice a week, you'll be on TV. You can have fun with this. And I said, you know what? Uh, yeah, why not? I'll try it. So that was my first kind of like uh, yeah, with, with cameras and stages and lights and stuff. Hmm. And uh, yeah, so from there, uh, I kind of bowed out, and then uh, I just slowly gravitated. Uh, it was so – what I like about it, it wasn't like plan. It was like – I'm going to go and do, you know, make this, it was more like, uh, slowly just kept hitting me every day. Like, like, uh, you know, I kept thinking about it and thinking, and finally took a work, a couple of workshops and, um, and, uh, just got into it wrote a script and, and slowly, but surely, uh, uh, learned the ropes and from grounds up, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's been great. So yes, that, that's, that's my, uh, path of, of how we got here. And obviously as a writer and an actor and director and producer, it's like you don't want to ever have free time, it sounds like. You want to stay constantly busy doing all of these things. And you put that to work in three of your projects already with uh, Sinbad, obviously, The Fifth Voyage, and now Nebulous Dark as well, taking on all those roles. Is that an aspect of your personality? Because some people just want that whole, they want, they, they see the whole picture and they want to be able to be hands-on with all of it. Or is it just kind of a, hey, I need this done right, and I'm, I know exactly what I want done. It's going to be quicker if I just do it myself. Where do you approach that aspect of it as? Uh, great question. Uh, well, for me, it's on, on an as-needed basis, uh, I, uh, coupled with the fact that I just like to learn. Uh, if I'm interested in something, I'm one of those that w will read like 18 books in like you know, a month because simply because it's just intriguing to me, whatever that may be. But, uh, I, um, it kind of in, in my work, I use it as a tool and a skill to be able to, uh, get something taken care of, uh, have it, have it, uh, you know, done, get it going because there's a lot of waiting in this business. There's a lot of waiting and that's just the nature of the beast. But, uh, for me, I, I like to, I like to see the end result. That's not to say that I, I won't, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of bring in other artists, and we always do. This movie wouldn't have happened without all the artists involved. It wouldn't be this nice. Uh, but um, uh, it's it's nice to have the skill and the tool set, and it's just fun for me. And you know what? Your brain grows. You know, you kind of uh, believe it or not. Uh, something that a lot of people don't know is. Working on the technical aspects of stuff like this and where you have to focus really, really helps focusing and learning and having your mind stay sharp. And mm -hmm. it's great. It's actually great. Uh, uh, so I, I don't play a lot of video games, uh, I, even though I love them because I don't have time. But um, that's my video game. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll sit and learn. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, um, when you, when you want to do like a screen test or you want to do a test shot, uh, uh, for something and you're like, Hey, you know, let's, let's do one where, you know, this is whatever, whatever the, 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 uh, 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 narrative, uh, for an idea may be. And let's, let's see how it looks. The, um, I've been blessed with that talent. I, I feel my opinion is I was just born with it and, uh, it's just fun for me to be able to, uh, share that with the rest of the world. And, uh, you know, it's all about creativity and fun really at the end of the day, it's, uh, popcorn and and uh, movie time and inspiring positive uh, energy and uh, it's it's been a great ride so far. And with uh, as we mentioned, Sinbad: The Fifth Voyage, the, you are the first Persian American actor to play the role of Sinbad. Uh, that yes. that was kind of a, I guess a cool moment too. It, it being that you wrote it and then were able to act the part in there as well. And then also, yes. I mean, to be able to to direct Sir Patrick Stewart, who narrated the movie. Uh, that had to be being in that role and acting in it and knowing you're kind of hitting that benchmark and then also directing. That had to be surreal on so many levels for you. We'll take another quick break, come back and continue our chat with Shaheen Salaman. Please stand by. Hi, this is Michelle Nichols and you're listening to Geek to me radio welcome back to geek to me radio want to make sure we tell you about our premier sponsor the greater st charles convention and visitors bureau i should say the city of st charles but of course you know them from the website discover stcharles.com discoverstcharles.com 
my premier sponsor. They've been with me since I launched the show, which is coming up on five years. Back in August of 2016, we went live for the first time, and they've been with me ever since, a brilliant partner and sponsor, and there's a lot to see and do. I always love talking about St. Charles because I'm a fan. I go down there a lot. There's, we just were down there and found a brand new place we hadn't seen before. And there's so much to see and do down there. That's going to happen to you too. You may have been down there a dozen times and you're like, oh, I never noticed this little shop or I never noticed this place that sells this incredible coffee or whatever it might be. There's always something new to discover in St. Charles. See what I did there? DiscoverStCharles.com. Check out the website. If you're from out of town, maybe you're looking for someplace new to go. Maybe you want to plan a trip and uh, get on the road. Maybe you've been cooped up for 2020, and now that things are hopefully opening back up, we can get back out there and see the world, and St. Charles is a great place to see. A lot of historic things to uh, check out. There are lots of great places to eat, lots of things to see, lots of unique shopping experiences. No matter where you're from, if you're from right here in the St. Louis, St. Charles area, or you're from out of town, maybe you're from out of the country, Come visit St. Charles, one of their many festivals like the Festival of the Little Hills, Legends and Lanterns, or Christmas Traditions. There's never a bad time to visit St. Charles. Plan your trip now by going to the website discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles.com for an historically good time. Before we took that last break, we were chatting with Shaheen Salman, and I'd asked him about acting in Sinbad while also, not just acting, but he had to direct Sir Patrick Stewart in that same project. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We, we were blessed and uh, to have him for a very, very, very short amount of time. A, uh, a, a, a gentleman and a very collaborative, very kind. And uh, we obviously on a uh, on a show uh, that that uh, was uh, our, with with our our size show. Um, it, we were just very, very blessed to have him um, for that very short amount of time. And I, I did what any director should do, which is uh, you know, kind of with, with the small, uh, almost like minuscule amount of time that we were able to uh, afford them, we uh, were, you know, we, I put in whatever I could to make it uh, as creative as possible with the narrative we're working with, you know, that the rest of the work, you know, we had to do uh, like building the entire uh, world of, of Sinbad uh, wasn't easy. It was, it was, uh, a few times where they, the uh, people were just like, this is like, a, this is a lot of work. Like it's a lot of work. People don't realize, uh, they think like we push a couple of buttons and it, and it happens on a computer, right. but it's not like that. You got to go frame by frame. And I'll tell you a typical, a typical movie, which is about 90 minutes, but anywhere from 75 to 90 minutes or longer, right. Is I, we actually sat down and calculated it's something in, in the neighborhood of thirty to fifty thousand individual shots. Oof. Thirty to fifty thousand. So you're you're talking about, and every one of them has to be quality controlled. Like, is there, you know, is there any problems with this shot? Is it gonna ruin one shot? Can ruin the whole movie? So yeah. you have to quality control it. And as, as and the director, you know, the person in charge is the director. No one's gonna look at anybody else but the director. So, uh, you know, with a with a budget, with a small budget. You have uh, a lot of work. It's not a lot of people that, that are able to work on the project. So uh, you, it's, it's pretty much up to that director to make sure. So it's a lot of work. I'm very, very uh, grateful for all the artists that have helped me through the years. Um, I'm a very collaborative person. So uh, I'm the kind of person when I was a kid, uh, you know, we'd reenact uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or Star Wars <laughs> or, or those kind of movies in the backyard. Like, for example, my... Uh, uh, we we had this old camper, you know. In Florida, the, the 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 yards are much bigger than in California because there's not a lot of hills, so it's a lot of flat uh, areas. So the houses subsequently are, are have more space. So everybody has a bunch of stuff. All the kids have stuff in the backyard, like forts and like <laughs> tents and like you know campers that are parked back there. So we had this old, you know, uh, crank crank open uh, camper that that was just sitting there, and uh, we uh, converted that to the Falcon and. Uh, we would, uh, I would, I would like go, you know, we, me and my friend would go into the street and we'd like, uh, uh, cast some of the other kids on the street and we'd reenact the entire film, uh, with costumes. Uh, so that's how I am. And I'm still like that now. Like I'll, I'll see someone that looks like, you know, Frankenstein, like the, like I remember a few years back, I saw this gentleman, he was like seven foot two and I'm like, man, I got to go ask that guy if he wants to be in our movie. <laughs> it's just my natural instinct. I, I, I know it's not. It's not standard. And people are like, hey, don't do that. Like, it's, it's, that's weird. It's like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, we're, we're just, it's just a, you know, it's not like 
there's no there's no kind of like uh, you know one way or the other way. It's it's uh, but uh, at the at the end of the day, it's it's just a, co- a collaboration and uh, creativity. So uh, yeah, uh, very grateful and, and uh, all all the people that have that have helped and and have been part of this amazing journey. Um, hope to do a lot more. And uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's how it's been so far. And then with Nebulous Dark, uh, I think it's available now as a, as of right now on Amazon Prime. If you're listening, you want to go check that out. We'll also have a link to the show in our show notes. If you're listening to this after the fact. Um, having that, that sci-fi, it's such a rich area because there's so many ways it can be kind of supernatural, nefarious and twilight zone. You mentioned that being one of the inspirations did that so well. And the Rod Serling twilight zones hold up to this day, the allegories that they had, the stories like the monsters are due on Maple street to those chilling ones, like the hitchhiker, they kind of ran the gamut and there's always uh, something to be gleaned from it. Is that kind of where you wanted to go with Nebula Star? Kind of that same type of energy and kind of style? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, the the, the uh, Twilight Zone episodes, uh, they, they're just, you know, the, the, there, there's a, the, like you said, there's a reason why they still hold up today. It's, it's because of the wonderful storytelling and the wonderful twist, really. I mean, the twist was the special effect. The, uh, the, the uh, acting, the... the uh, the uh, cinematography, the the uh, dr- dramatic tone, um, the like what what's what's happening with this particular character? What's the flaw? What's what's making them? What's their subconscious doing to make them see the world this way? Uh, and uh, those are intriguing to me because it uh, brings a lot of substance to a particular story. So my story on Nebula Stark is taking that same inspiration and bringing in content into. Uh, the, the, the character. So is this guy good? Is, is he bad? What's, what's he been through? What's his backstory? What's happening? And at the end, you know, there, there's a twist. So um, it's just something that I've wanted to do. I studied Rod Serling. I didn't just randomly do it. I've been watching Twilight Zone since I was in seventh grade. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of the inspiration of, of living in America and, and watching and learning and, and wanting to expand. And that's what art is all about. You know, all art is inspired by other artists and other great, uh, and, and it also brings, um, you know, Rod Serling was a, was a genius and, and it, uh, I'm glad I'm giving, uh, bringing, bringing his, his content back up a little bit because, um, it, it should be watched. It's a great, great stories. And th- those episodes that you just mentioned, oh my God, awesome episodes. So yes, great work. Yeah, no, they were absolutely brilliant. Now, I've got the entire set on DVD, the whole series collection. And if, I, if I've if right. got something in the background, I'll just put them on if I'm cleaning or something like that. I know. It's, it's one of those, you can always go back to those. I never get tired of watching them. What, if I you, know. If, you, if I had to nail you down and say, what, what are your top five Twilight Zone episodes? What would you pick for your top five? Oh, man. Uh, I would say Midnight Sun, mm. uh, Monsters Do on Maple Street. Uh, the Howling Man. Oh yeah. Where, where is everybody? <laughs> that that one is just the very first episode. Yeah. Very cool one. Uh, there is uh, blanking on. And by the way, the titles that they have by themselves were amazing. Yes. I, I don't know who wrote. I don't know if he 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 titled them or who, but you can see a genius titled them. You don't even see titles like that anymore. Just uh, uh, let me think of one more. I've seen every single one of them. Uh, but I'm blanking. It's almost hard to choose other... just five. <laughs> to to uh, to serve man twenty thousand. Uh, uh, um, uh, the the one with William Shatner. Oh yeah, nightmare uh, at twenty thousand feet. Nightmare at twenty thousand feet. Thank you, thank you. Um, right now my mind is is still uh, ending <laughs> post production on the long film, so so it's hard to kind of uh, 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 get get into details of no, like, I'm sure. uh, exact titles. But those are some of the ones. Uh, there's there's a lot more. I mean, there's there's so many of them that uh, it's almost uh, impossible to say which top four or five. I like all of them. There's a few that I thought it looked like they uh, were late on a fr- Friday and they were like, all right, come on, let's wrap it up. Let's go. <laughs> it was like that. But but uh, you're going to get that with any series. They were on for five seasons. Oh, sure. Um, the, fir- the, the first four seasons, just amazing. Um, they, they had uh, so much uh, so much stuff. And it's you know, it, it's it's a great exercise in script and TV and, uh, 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 storytelling. So, uh, I just, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be, everyone should 
uh, whatever their path is, whatever their goals are, their, their careers, whatever kind of like, you know, electives they choose for life, um, you should have probably be uh, having something to look at for inspiration and for, you know, to touch back, to touch on. Uh, if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're an athlete or whether you're actor or director or, you know, whatever, uh, you, you want to probably look at the top and, you know, having watched maybe thousands of shows and TV and movies and stuff growing up, um, I just kept going back and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to study these scripts. This, this is, this is the style that I feel like has the most, um, uh, uh, substance and, and, and it's the most fun to watch because I want people to obviously watch my movies over and over again. So. Uh, I'm going to put what I can now did I do any kind of like, Oh, I'm just going to like duplicate. It's not that it's inspiration. And then it's from me. It's from the, uh, my, my mind yeah. to the, to the page and then to the screen. So people are actually watching what's on my mind, what I wrote, what, what, what comes out subjectively, however they want to interpret it and going into the screen and they're seeing it untouched without any kind of like, uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it's organic. So, um, I'm very happy about that and it's exciting. I can imagine. You so you just wrapped up with everything and you've got, uh, what do you, what do you do? Do you have like a ritual, like a celebration after you've wrapped a movie like nebulous dark where it's, it's done, it's completed. Do you have a, a little ritual or a, uh, something you do to kind of celebrate the closing of the project? Uh, yes, we all hold candles and walk around that. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's that's one no. of the more creative ones I've been uh, heard. So yeah, good for you. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I was, I, you know, because of the COVID, it's just uh, been so gnarly. Actually, yeah. uh, luckily I've been blessed to be busy creatively. Um, but um, no, not this year. We just kind of uh, uh, just had a dinner and a glass of wine, and uh, you know, uh, had a couple of friends over, and we just chit chat and laugh, and uh, not having to go into the studio to, to do edits, you know, there's like 30, 40,000 shots and, uh, fix things. And, Oh, this frame is like slightly like not in frame. Like it's not framed correctly. We got, we got, I got to read the whole thing has to be re-rendered. So, uh, you're talking about cinema quality, 5k, 10 bit technology, which is basically theatrical, bigger than yeah, bigger than mm. 4k. So, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of work when you want to do it right. Uh, because it's not like you're, 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 it's, it's fast. It's not, it's very slow because they're, the, 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 uh, files are huge. It's yeah. Hum- humongous size files. So, um, I am very astute. I was trained by some of the industry best professionals on the post-production uh, side. Some of these guys worked on, uh, you know, big movies like, like Star Wars, the original trilogy and, uh, uh, Back to the Future and, uh, uh, uh Jurassic Park. The, the, these guys are the guys behind behind the guys wow. that, that, uh, know the technical aspect of it. And I was trained, uh, uh, and learned and not, not because, I, uh, because, you know, it was more like by necessity, I wanted to help and, and speed things along. So I learned and became friends with some of these guys and that's how it is. You know, you, you go in an environment and you, you're working with these old school guys that know what they're doing. They, they know the, the ropes. Uh, these guys used to make pa- matte paintings, you know, in the old days, now it's digital, but right. in the old days, for example, when you have like, let's say a shot of a alien city from, from high up in the sky, they do it digitally and they look great. I mean, my friends are, some of these guys can do some stuff that you won't believe. It's unbelievable. Uh, some of them are in my movie, but the old days they would actually, for example, put a, put a glass in front of a camera on, on, on location. And then the artist would actually paint the scene that the matte painting or whatever it is, and you can't tell. And it's all kind of like optical effects. And these guys are the guys that even know that stuff. So not, not only do they know the digital stuff, they also know that stuff. So I was trained and I learned myself, obviously by trial and error. And it's, it's amazing, you know, when you go from the studio and you see it, uh, you see it live on, on a platform and you see, uh, the, you're able to kind of, uh, uh, gauge, uh, how, how the work came out. And this one came out really clean. Like I was like, Whoa, like, Whoa, I I'm amazed. Like, like I can't believe it. Like my friends all had smiles in their faces. We're like, Whoa, like that, that looks good. Like I can't believe it. <laughs> all the hard work, for example, um, uh, I don't want to give it away, but those, those, uh, uh, those, uh, 
pods, the pods that uh, we call them pods um, that, that are in the movie, they're shaped the way they're shaped. That's all original art that we did. We worked on and we came up with those concepts huh. and uh, seeing them go from just paintings and sketches to, to you know, little, little like stick figures to 3D uh, CGI. And also there's some stop motion in, the, in this film um, and seeing them uh, uh, act and, and do a good job, uh, you know, with the whole. And, you know, as a, as a filmmaker like myself, probably any filmmaker on any film, really, uh, you, you want to kind of uh, adjust to, to what not not always what you wrote uh, for that. I'm, I'm, and I'm talking about special effects here. Uh, you want to make it as pretty as possible. So it's like someone who wanted like a particular model car with, with a particular set of uh, features. Well, maybe those aren't available, but but you can adjust and get something like that 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 works as well, maybe even better. So that's how I am. You know, like mm. there was some some of the special effects that were like, whoa, okay, so let's let's try this. And we did a lot of trial and error, and I I wanted to make it as cool as possible. But not only that, but I wanted to make sense. Uh, you know, like the aliens aren't just random guys, skinny guys with big eyes. They're, you know, they're. Uh, I will just give this away, which is uh, these aliens are essentially a species of. Uh, octopus that evolved because you know I actually went and researched octopus. Octopus have the most amount of neurons uh, in all their like basically their brains go all the way into their tentacles. Like hmm. that's how much that's that's how much space they have for for evolve evolvement. So these are octopus that on another planet with different oxygen levels, whatever yada yada yada, they have developed into the uh, the, the dominant race of species on that planet and now they're here because we're uh, this this planet is crippled and they're here to, to they're here to take it so uh, that was the basis and just so all that stuff kind of like has a backstory like like how is their technology how, how are these things like what is this like laser they're shooting well what is that what is that from where does it come from it's we have that all written down like people don't realize that but there's, there's a whole story backstory and universe to this like they they harness the power of lightning so they, these things are actually charged by atmosphere and like they, they have a totally different technology. So these things were just fun to do and brings out the creativity. And you know what? When I get another idea, that creativity engine is, 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 uh, is, is grown and, uh, and uh, I feel like there's more that we can do. So very, very grateful. Uh, I'm very grateful for the tools. Uh, like, for example, Adobe Inc. Uh, we use a lot of their tools. We use a lot of other tools that, that, that we were able to, to and they're all industry standard. And uh, those guys were great. It's just, just amazing and very, very uh, happy that uh, we're, uh, I'm able to uh, achieve this, this, this level of work. And with uh, all the impressive stuff, like you just mentioned, all the backstory, the octopus research you did and how there's the whole, you know, where they came from. Is there a possibility that there might be, I mean, you, you could set Nebulous Dark up either, I would think, for a sequel or even a prequel. Is that yes. doing in yes. your brain? We're going to pause again for our commercial break. We're going to come right back and continue our chat with Shaheen Soleiman. Please stand by. Hey, it's Kevin Sorbo, and you lucky people are listening to Geek to Me Radio. So don't go anywhere because I said so. We're back for our final segment. Wrapping things up with writer-actor-director Shaheen Suleiman. Before we took that last break, I'd asked him about Nebulous Dark, which is the brand new project you should totally check out. If you're a Twilight Zone fan, a sci-fi fan, it's a brilliant, brilliant movie. And the way it was set up, I asked him, it's obviously possible you could do either a sequel or even a prequel to Nebulous Dark. Oh my God, you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, it's funny because usually after a movie, you're so burned out on seeing the same thing. Uh, believe it or not, I'm not at all. Um, uh, I woke up uh, today. I was like, oh, my God, like we can totally steer this universe so many different directions the way this thing came out. Uh, and so, yes, we have a whole uh, I have a couple of ideas right now. They're in the idea uh, department in my head, which uh, would be what why did the aliens leave their planet? What are they doing here? And two. What what is this guy? Who's this guy? Who is he? How did he get here? Why why is he wearing a leather mask? Like what's all, what is all that? Like what? How did he get here? What is? I have that written all down. Like you won't <laughs> believe. It's a it's almost like a book size of information on um, this his past and 
all the other characters that their pass and and uh so you might see a character that's only in there for a few seconds and that's only because the, our budget was allowed it and th this particular story was designed this way but that 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 character has a backstory why, why are they why are they looking like that why are they looking a little sad there's a whole backstory to why that person is sad and um uh, that's really intriguing to me and i'm hoping to possibly collab bring some partners on board spread out the work a little bit and really make this fun exciting universe you know we need some new stuff so uh, this this might be it and uh, i think it has an, enough uh, elements, for example, the undead creatures, they're zombies, but we, I just call them undead creatures. So in my mind, I can be like, this is different. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? And yeah, the aliens yeah, yeah. And, and, and the flying saucers being a classic style, that's, that's obviously a homage to, uh, to the classic sci-fi. And I wanted to keep it kind of simple. I feel like I love saucer shaped alien ships and stuff like that. And we have like four or five, uh, different versions and, uh, uh styles. So, uh, yeah, um, you hit the nail right on the head. I do have some plans. We'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll see if, if we can get support from the fans, uh, this would really be fun to do, uh, to expand. So, uh, look, looking, looking to see how it goes. So right now we're like, we just started uh, these days, movies kind of like, uh, come out of the gate sometimes. And then they, they build momentum based on, you know, uh, the quality and, and how the fans like it. Um, so we're, I'm hoping that we get good, uh, good results. Yeah. And a lot of these, the, you know, hit the streaming services like Amazon and Netflix too. They get that cult following. We've seen it with uh, shows like sense eight and things like that. So, right, uh, there's, right. there's no telling what the future could hold for nebulous dark going forward. Let everybody know where they can find you as far as websites, social media, if they want to keep up with you and what you've got going on. Oh, great. Thank you. Uh, I'd say my Facebook, uh, my official Facebook, um, is probably the best place because, uh, I, uh, I you know, uh, constantly go on and, and, uh, keep, keep people informed with what I'm doing and stuff like that. Uh, so facebook.com slash Shaheen Suleiman. Um, I'm not hard to find Shaheen Suleiman. Uh, and if you, uh, obviously if you Google Sinbad or, uh, 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 nebulous dark, uh, and, uh, uh, so uh, the, the, all, all my social media stuff comes up. My Instagram as well. Um, that would be the best place. And Nebulous Dark is live now as a uh, pre-theatrical VOD release. Uh, and uh, it just went live. And uh, please go watch it. And I would be very, very appreciative and grateful if everyone would give it, give it a rating. You don't have to write anything if you don't want to. Just, just the, scale, the scale that they have there. Because that really helps us. Uh, and also I want to see uh, what the true fans really, really think of it. Absolutely. And again, uh, stream it. And if you if you like the show, tell your friends about the movie, too, so that you get more views and everything like that. Because when it comes to a streaming thing, we've had several writers and directors say that's that's all about the uh, the clicks and the hits and how long people are viewing. So if you're hearing this right now, check out Nebulous Dark on Amazon Prime and make sure you tell friends about it, see it and rate it. That's going to help ensure if you do really like it that we get a sequel or a prequel or a series or who knows where this will go. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know what? I, I would love to see. Uh, and from there, I can gauge on the writing and and bring uh, obviously giving opportunity to other uh, writers and collaborators and, and stuff like that. And uh, uh, really see uh, what direction we uh, we can take this and uh, possibly make it a huge uh, thing. So uh, you never know. That's right. New ideas are always welcome. I always say Hollywood seems like they're just doing remakes and reboots and reimagining. So uh, original ideas like this are always welcome and fantastic. Shaheen Soleiman, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, James, thank you so much. Love your show and I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I, I, I look forward to speaking with you again. That's going to do it. My thanks, as always, to Joey V, my executive producer, for making this show sound as good as it does. Thank you very much to Justin in the KTRS studios for getting us on and off the air and running the boards for tonight's show while I am out. We'll be back live next week talking with Marvel Comics editor Tom Brevoort. We're going to give you a primer on what if, so you know what to expect from the brand new Disney Plus series. If you're a novice to the show or if you're an old what if fan, there'll be something for everyone with a lot of surprises. I'm very excited about this show, so make sure you tune in next Sunday, 9 p.m. Central, 
for Geek to Me Radio. And also make sure you check out our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com, check out Geek to Me Radio there. Make sure you subscribe, if you would please. Hit that bell and watch some of our past episodes, some of the videos we do that Joey V puts together for us there as well. And of course, make sure you're following us on social media at Geek to Me Radio on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook.com slash Geek Me Radio. Be the page a like there. All these interactions greatly help boost the show, and we do sincerely appreciate your support. Until next week, my friends. It's not in the way you watch I sound be. It's not in the way you watch the flash. It's not in the way you love Scotty Young Art. It's not in the way you play Mario Kart. It's not in the way you look when you make him and throw references. That's a show. This is Geek Tell Me Radio. That's a show. Thank you, St. Louis. Good night. Hey, kids. Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say referral geek to me radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser bit.ly slash geek to me bit.ly slash geek to me